And it's episode 21. I'm Sean Grigsby, your host. Today, we're going to be talking to James Egabine, another self-published author. We're going to be talking about his book, Indentured Magic, which releases December 15th. But you're going to hear a whole lot more about that in just a minute. However, while I got you, I want to talk about my book, Smoke Eaters. It's about firefighters versus dragons. That is out now. The sequel, Ash Kickers, it comes out July 2nd. Both are from Angry Robot Books. I also have another book called Daughters of Forgotten Light, which is unrelated. It's a standalone. It's about all women motorcycle gangs in space. If you like Bitch Planet, the comic, if you like Escape from New York or The Warriors or Grindhouse, all that kind of cool stuff, that 80s sci-fi action-y feel and feminist fiction, by the way, uh, this would be for you. And if you don't like that, oh well. And... I also want to let you know that I am up for some awards this year. I'm up for the Campbell Award because I am a debut author. And uh, if you have the ability to vote for the Campbell Award, which is alongside all the Hugo stuff, I would love your nomination. Of course, I'd love you to read the book first. I mean, I don't know if you're that kind of person who just votes for stuff without reading. But while I would appreciate it, I, I definitely want you to read the books, which you can get Anywhere books are sold. Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Amazon, Powell's, everywhere, everywhere. But enough about me. Let's jump into our interview with James Egabine and his book, Indentured Magic. Okay. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, all your books, of course, and, and your writing process and that sort of stuff. But the, the main book we're going to be focusing on is Indentured Magic. And is this something that you've already released, or is it coming soon? It's uh, going on sale tomorrow. It's uh, pre-sale today, so the 15th is going to actually be available. Nice. So for listeners out there, December 15th, uh, which by the time you hear this, it should already be out. So this is perfect timing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So to give uh, readers an example of what this book's about, uh, it's about a woman uh, named Medea. And she tries to get into this uh, organization called The Order, uh, but she doesn't make it. (laughs) And so she also discovers that some people are stealing young girls for their magic. So what else can you tell us about the book? So so basically, the the story goes, she's trying to prove that she's as good as any guy, and she doesn't quite make it. So they send her off to prove herself by finding these bad guys who are stealing these young girls. And along the way, she actually causes her sister to get captured by the same people. So now she's got, like, taken it personal. So she has to get involved in the organization. And she ends up getting captured herself. Now she has to get out of it. But the, the book is structured to follow the tale of five different girls as they deal with their captivity and what they're going through and how they're experiencing it and how they're dealing with it. And that's kind of the framework of the whole story is, is following how these girls are struggling with their captivity. Nice. And so is this a standalone or is this the beginning of a series? Uh, it could be either. It depends on how it goes over. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> more, right? That's, that's a really good answer, though. I myself, I can't, I can't uh, write a whole series of books uh, and I can barely uh, have the forethought to, to, to envision an entire series uh, unless I know that, A, somebody's going to be paying me for it or that, that it's very popular and it's, it's a, very, uh, a very 
possible thing to happen. So uh, that's great. And uh, what what draws you to fantasy? Uh, and and do you primarily write in fantasy, or do you dabble in other genres? It's pretty much fantasy. And I was a hardcore science fiction fan way back when, forever. I would say how long ago that was. And I, I picked up a book in the, the bookstore, and I looked at the back, and it said, Zane has to save Luna. And I was like, okay, this must be so I bought it. I got it home and started reading it, and it turned out it was fantasy. It was um, Incarnations of Immortality, book number one. Okay. And this happened to be the character's name was Luna, and I thought it meant the moon. And I was, and I was hooked. I was like, well, this is really good. So I kept reading more, and I kind of got into fantasy. And then, of course, if you get a big fantasy book that's a thousand pages long for two ninety nine, and the sci-fi was also two ninety nine. It was like 75 pages. <laughs> so I started buying fantasy because I got more read for the buck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know for me, if it's a thousand pages, it better be good. Because mm-hmm. if I can't make it through the first 50, I know I'm in trouble. Uh, so you, you how, how, how long have you been writing? Um, 35 years. Wow. <laughs> I, that. Um, I, I had to have a college credit to graduate, and they put me in a poetry class, and I got the book, and I was like, no, I'm not doing this. Right. So I ran to the dean's office and said, give me something else. And she said, okay, here's creative writing. Take this class. And I, I took it. And the teacher explained to me how stories work and how they put together. And I was like, well, this is really cool. So I started writing short stories and, and sending them off. And my first short story I sent off got bought. So I was like, oh, okay, that's very encouraging. So I kept writing short stories. And then 30 years later, 25 years later, my wife left me home alone for three months, took the kids to the Philippines to visit relatives. I was like, mm, I'd get in a lot of trouble being alone for three months, so I'll take one of these short stories and turn it into a book. So I took a short story that was a fantasy spin and turned it into a book, and then spent a year learning how badly I'd messed it up and how to fix it. <laughs> and then off I went. Well, that's, that's awesome. Have you always been a self-published author, or did you uh, dabble in some traditional publishing as well? No, I, I, I showed sort of sold short stories to a couple of magazines and markets, but the books are always self-published. I just put it up on Amazon. And I, I started like six years ago when they sold like crazy without having to work at it. <laughs> you know? That's always good. There you go. And so has that, has that always been your, your focus is on self-publishing? Yeah. And I, I've debated going traditional, but I'm old, and I don't think I'd live long enough to get everything I want to get written to go traditional because they don't take them as fast as you can produce them. <laughs> <laughs> it's very slow. It's very true. What, yeah. what do you think are the pros and cons of being a self-published author? You know, I, being self-published, you've got to do a lot of work on your own, and, and that's fine. I've been self-employed for a lot of my life, so I'm not afraid of doing the work. And I, I didn't know if there was really any advantages of going traditional, but I, I was in a group with two girls who girls women you know they they were both originally published and one of them actually edited my last book and she's a, a fantasy author who's a full-time writer and she said she learned so much from working with professional editors i was like hmm, that could be a big thing because it's really hard to find good editors and for the latest book i actually got somebody who had worked for tor and she did a couple of passes and then this friend of mine who's a, a professional fantasy author did a pass and i was like okay I learned so much working with these really high-end editors that I probably wouldn't have gotten if I had just, you know, called somebody off a of Fiverr or Upwork or something. Right. And you, your cover is awesome, by the way. 
uh, for indentured magic is the one I'm looking at. But how did you go about finding an artist and getting that taken care of? Because, you know, one of the stigmas or, or the stereotypes that uh, I think is being shattered, really, with a lot of the uh, modern self-published authors is that the covers are always bad. But that's not true, uh, especially with yours. So how did you go about working with an artist on this? <laughs> that actually, um, I met somebody in one of these writing groups probably five, six years ago. And she also writes fantasy, lives somewhere in the Midwest, I, I guess. And we were, you know, we kind of became friends. And she said, I'm, I'm going to start doing some art stuff. I'm going to do some book cover designs. And she worked with me on, on some ideas and, and did a couple of models for my early covers. And she was getting her business going. And I really liked them. So I, I hired her to do the whole series set of covers. And then when I, when I started Indentured Magic, I had a picture I found off the internet that I absolutely loved. And I, I, I you'll look at that picture every time I wrote. And to me, that was Medea. And then I called her and said, okay, I'm ready to do the book cover. And she said, you, you can't use that. And you can't even use something close because that's copyright. And I know that I did it. And I can't make you something like that. So we'll do something else. So we spent probably two and a half months getting the pose and the gaze and the eyes and the, everything right on that, you know, on that model using something called Daz. Yeah. And then once we're, happy with the, once we're happy with the Daz model, then she goes ahead and renders it and adds all the effects. <clears throat> and their, their company is called Secret Agent Arts and Design. And she just does a super job. I'm so happy with this cover. It just turned out great. And I just love the expression on her face. We spent two weeks working on those eye positions and getting her facial expression right for the cover. Wow. See, that's one thing that kind of scares me about self-publishing, and I know I could never do it myself because it's all on you. You you have to oversee everything. Um, and that's just, wow. I, I'd rather myself let... Uh, the art director take care of that stuff, but some people are fantastic about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it's a lot of work. You know, I, I spend a couple hours a day working on non-writing stuff, marketing and advertising, and you know, how do you build a lookalike audience and, and printing videos and creating ads and you know, running Facebook campaigns and you know, running advertising. It's, it's a lot of work, but you know, I think that the, the self-published writers who don't approach it as a business end up a little bit disappointed with how things are going for him. And, and I'm a businessman at heart, so I know you gotta, you got to put some money into covers, you got to put money into editing, you got to put money into advertising, and you got to learn that stuff, or you got to hire somebody, or you got to go traditional and have somebody do it for you. If you want it done right, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, I would suggest to other traditional authors as well that they approach it the same way. Obviously, you know, you have a lot of stuff taken off your hands, but I still think that they, that every author should approach it as a small business. And I mean, like many authors like me, like you, you have another job. Uh, I, I saw that you were a serial entrepreneur. Yep. And so I'm sure that helps with marketing. Um, so what to people listening out there and for myself, what, 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 uh, types of book marketing do you find works the best and what is something that doesn't but people still try to do all the time you know it, it's like the landscape changes all the time and once you think you got it nailed and dialed in and you stop worrying about it it, it just suddenly dies on you i ran um amazon advertising for several years and i used the same technique and the same pattern same kind of ads and i was getting the same kind of response and everything was great and all of a sudden one day they just stopped. I don't know what happened, but the advertising I was doing, it totally didn't work anymore. 
So I moved over to Facebook and I started there. And of course, the first thing that happens when you try Facebook advertising, you spend a lot of money and get nothing. And <laughs> worked on, on tuning and, and testing and, and you know doing split tests and testing out audiences. And then eventually I started to hit, you know, where can I find people who respond to the ads? Where do I find people who respond to, to the, my writing? And start advertising to them. And then, you know, then they start to return and you start making money in your ads. But it's a lot of testing, a lot of trial, a lot of error, and a lot of, you know, guessing. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had a mentor tell me one time that uh, if you want to know how to market your book, go ask a successful self-published author. And I see that, that Facebook stuff all the time, and they're like, hey, we're going to give you $15 to, to advertise. And other people say that, that <coughs> it doesn't work, <laughs> the Facebook stuff. Um, but like you said, I guess it's just trial and error and, and finding your readership and finding people who... Uh, would buy your book. Do you, do you go to conventions and things like that at all? I, I don't. I have a few friends who are like, you got to go to the conflict. Like, no, I don't. I don't like to. I don't actually like to leave the house. I, I'll do it if I have to. <laughs> <But I'd rather laughs> not. Yeah. So I, I probably should, but I just don't. Well, hey, if you ever do, it's a wonderful community. Um, science fiction, fantasy, all that stuff, and there's plenty of self-published authors as well um and they always had the dealer's room and stuff which i never know what how to approach that stuff unless my publisher's there and i go hang out with my publisher um but yeah i highly recommend it it's awesome if if, if you, even even if you, you're not approaching it which i know you know cost effectiveness and 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 investment and all that um you want to sell books and that's the main reason you're going but a lot of it is uh, just the camaraderie since you know writing is such a, a lonely pursuit uh it's nice to hang out with these other people that you've only met online or only read maybe a few years ago so i, I highly recommend it i actually belong to three different writers groups here in town so. oh yeah <laughs> I get out a lot, I, you know, at least one that I just go to the parties, I don't go to the critiques anymore. Right. Then two other groups I go, we do the critiques and then we write and we eat and, you know, just kind of spend some time talking about stuff and fantasy and writing. Yeah, I think you get to a so, point where you're like, I, you know, I have my beta readers who I trust and stuff. I'm not here to, to, <laughs> to get the critique. I'm just here to drink and hang out. Right. <laughs> I have one that hasn't been in a critique group in like three years, but I still go to all the parties. That hey, that you get all the fun and none of the headache. That's right. So who who are some authors that uh, inspired you, or someone that some authors that you have grown up and and still to this day love reading, and also maybe some new people. You know, I read a lot of uh, Ellie Modisette. Pretty yep. much everything done, and when I read Robin Hobb, I cry because I can't write that good, and I know I never will. <laughs> I I met Robin Hobb. Did you? I did. I, I just. I, I just love her work because this is so good. Yeah, I, I talked to her about uh, Dragon Bones, which I haven't read. Uh -huh. um, but since I wrote a book about dragons and stuff, I was like, well, I could talk to her about this. Uh, very, very nice. Very laid back, just relaxed. And like we, it was in Seattle. Uh, it was for Emerald City Comic Con. And uh, Penguin Random House was throwing this party at this place and people I saw Terry Brooks walking around with his big ass beer in his hand and I'm like this is nuts you know because <laughs> this was my first big con and I, I went to Worldcon shortly after that so that that was awesome well who, who else do you like to read I, I just started reading um, Elizabeth Moon the, the Pat Cenarian stuff yeah and that's pretty good 
that's that's good. It, it took a little while to get into her voice. Like it does for me. I, I pick up a new book and it feels a little awkward for a couple of chapters, you know. And then you start to get the you get the flavor of the author and you get to understand the cadence and the rhythm and their voice, and then you can really get lost in the story. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I've kind of got that point now where I just get stuck in the story, and then I'm, I'm now pretty much comfortable with her voice, and you know, it's just the story now. That's that's good. It's, it's a fun read. It's funny you mentioned uh, Ellie Modisett. I've got mm-hmm. I've got one of their books on my bookshelf. Uh, World Fantasy Con sent it to me, <laughs> and I don't even know what it's about. <laughs> I've reached a point where people are just sending me books. I'm like, this is awesome, but. I don't know if I'll ever get around to reading this thing. It's huge. No, he he blew me away. I, I, I read um, one of the books I read was the, the magical engineer. Being an engineer, I, I just like so. That's hey, that's great. That's cool. That's a, a wizard who's an engineer. It was really cool. Yep, like the book. Read some more. And then I bought another one off the shelf, and it was called The Colors of Chaos. And I started reading, and I got about a third of it into, and I was like, wait a minute, this is the other guy from that other book. And I checked back. Like, sure enough. So he's got two books, and one is written from the, the viewpoint of the black wizard, and one is written from the, the white wizard. And both of them, you can root for the guy because he's the hero of the story. And like, they always tell you that, right? The villain is the hero of his own story. And That's yeah, right. here it is. Like, that way, I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> so it just blew away. I loved it. And, and I, I was like, yeah, that hero has to have, the, you know, the villain has to have depth to him. They have to have personality. They have to have a, you know, a reason to do what they're doing, not just because they're evil right and not many people do that with, with you know the vi- the villain being the hero of their own story i like when it happens because a lot of stories at least a few that i've read um the ones that shine for me are where the villain is more than just the bad guy or the conflict um but they're they're actually a character and oh man when you start to like sympathize with them <laughs> <laughs> you know uh but that, that's good stuff it's hard to do uh a lot of times mm-hmm. but when you nail it that's it's awesome well indentured magic is not your only book obviously what, what's some other stuff uh you'd like to tell us about that you've written and that's available now the, the first series was called apprentice to master and it's, it's a coming of age wizard you know the the young boy Finds out he has magic, and then it turns out that when he uses magic, he signaled himself to the big bad guys at the temple who want to kill him and take his magic. And that that became a three-book series, and then I got I was like, oh, I'm going to do a prequel, and that, that turned into a whole novel. And then I really like one of the characters, so I spun it off, and there's another one. So I have a, a, a series that's got five books in it that's uh, called The Apprentice to Master series. And I did a, a couple of novellas called White Assassin, yeah. which is... Uh, about this albino girl who becomes an assassin. And it's, a, it's a fantasy. It's a different world. And then I wrote another one called Reluctant Wizard, which is an, an old fart like me who finds out that he's the inheritance of the magic as it's coming back. And he really doesn't want to be a wizard, but he kind of gets dragged into it. So those, nice. are, those are all up on. So. That's my whole catalog. Now i got a couple of books in the drawer that nobody will ever see until after I die, and hopefully I can burn them before then. Yeah, I've got three of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of those. Yeah. So anytime I dance, I get stuck, and I'm like, don't know where this is going, so I'm out of here. What's your writing process like? Uh, I know some people say, well, I'm a pantser, or I'm a plotter. How, how do you approach uh, it? I'm a, I'm a huge plotter, and, and this was an interesting revelation. 
what I, what I was going to do in Dentric Magic, I spent three months outlining the book, and my outline was 150 pages long. And I sat down with this professional author friend of mine, and she's a pantser, and she's going through the outline, we're looking at stuff, and I'm getting some pointers. And she said, you've, you've told the story in your outline. But the whole thing is here. It's all detailed out. She said, so when you sit down to write the book, what you're doing is you're showing us what you wrote in this outline. So you're not, you're not thinking about the story when you're writing. You're just thinking about how to show it. And to me, that's, that's worked the best. And I was like, wow, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. So I do, I do detailed outlines. I've got character studies. I've got world studies. I've got motivation. I've got, you know, all sorts of key stuff that I write. But then every so often something kind of morphs a little bit while I'm writing and I can twist the plot and then tweak my outline and, and take care of it. Yeah. So if I if I don't if I don't plot first, I'm dead. I I, I tried one book, I was pantsing it. I got sixty five thousand words into it, and one character turned the other, and he goes, "Why do you care?" And I was like, "I have no idea. That's it. We're done. I can't finish the book. <laughs> I can't answer the question." I spent three months trying to figure out why he cared, and I just couldn't come up with a reason. Like, okay, <laughs> this way ain't going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point because if the characters don't care, the, the readers certainly won't. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm a total pantser myself. So I and I just can't see outlining an entire novel, <laughs> and not that the, uh, one way's better than the other. Uh, it just really depends on on the individual. Um, I mean, hell, I, I don't even write a synopsis. Actually, the first time I had to do that was when the publisher uh, came back and said, "Hey, do you have ideas for sequels?" And I was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> um, not really." But let me see what I could pull out of the uh, backside here. And so that's when I wrote up to synopses. And uh, the, the Ash Kickers, the sequel to Smoke Eaters, is, is I pretty much followed that synopsis. <laughs> uh-huh. it, it was vague enough, you know, but uh, it, it got me wondering if I maybe I should kind of do that for every book. But it, every book's different as well. You know, every, every person is different. My my real life day job, I'm a software architect. I've been in high tech startups all my life. But I write really complicated software that you, you couldn't you couldn't possibly do without having a framework to do it. So that's how I write software. I start with a really broad framework, start detailing things in a detail, 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 and eventually it's really, really detailed and complicated. I write the same way. So it's, it's like a modified snowflake. And then I, I follow the um, the Larry Brooks um, story structure. Yeah. And say the cat. And I kind of mold those two together and it gives me an outline of what has to be where in the book. And that helps me write the outline. And then once I've done with the outline, then I don't worry about the structure anymore. I'm like, okay, I got it. I don't need to be aware. And I'll go ahead and write. How often uh, do you write and how much do you write every day? I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. I do. And, uh, and I, I try to write until I get a whole chapter done, which could be, depends on the book. They're typically running now about 2,800 words per chapter, it's not about 2,800, 3,000 words a day. Right. And then I have a lot of days where I just, you know, don't, don't get anything done. <laughs> I skip once a while. I don't write every day, but I try. Right. I mean, hey, sometimes you, you just can't. You, you get burned out. Like yesterday, I was at the firehouse, and I wrote lots of stuff on different projects. And, and it, today, I'm like, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm going to take a break. Don't try that's right. Well, dry. Can't get any water today. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to just throw junk out there. And uh, most of the time, I feel like, especially with this current, this current book, it's it's one of those where 
I really want to come to the keyboard and, and figure out who these people are and, and things like that. Uh, so how long are your books typically? Uh, usually 105,000 to 125,000 words. That's like 350, 375 pages. How long does that take you to write? <laughs> Adventure Magic, I wrote it in eight days. Whoa! And, uh, I, I belong to this group called Juno Rhymo. It's like Nano, only it's a lot more friendly. Right. And we put <laughs> every year. And what happens is we, we start the first to do it, and then people get on Twitter and they encourage each other. And we do word sprints and stuff. So coming up to Juno Rhymo, I, I, I got a call from my office and he said, Dude, you're, you're not accruing vacation anymore because you have too much. So I said, fine, I'll, I'll just take two weeks off in June. And I, I got a ticket, I went to Wisconsin where my folks live. And uh, I begged a room for my brother and sat at his kitchen table. And over the next nine days, I wrote the whole book. Then I had my outline. Wow. And everything distracting me. So it was all done. Of course, it took 18 months to get it revised and edited and finalized and cleaned up. And, you know, and at some point, I'd look at it and go, let's just throw it out. This is, this is crap. And then I'd work it over and I'd work with the editor. And pretty soon, it was like, oh. And at, to be honest, this is the first book that when I was totally done, I read through it, the whole thing. I was like, huh. I kind of like this. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, uh, it's like I can't look at it anymore. I got to stop now, but I like it. So it's it's the longest part is editing and fixing things. Yeah. But, but getting yeah. down the the first draft, eight days. Good grief! I don't know if I could ever do that, especially a hundred something thousand word novel. Good grief. Fifteen thousand words a day. I type really fast. I'm, you know, I'm a programmer. Well, that helps. So. I, I don't type very, very fast. I have my system, but my wife uh, gives me crap all the time about it because she says I poke and peck. But that's not true. I, I use multiple fingers, but I certainly probably couldn't type as fast as, as you do because, you know, you have your day job that assists with that. I wonder I wonder if I could type faster if I did that. Um, <laughs> well, we're going to wrap things up. And uh, the question I always ask every author guest who comes on is, what is something that you know now that you wish you knew when you first started writing? Well, characters are the most important thing. And the deeper the characters, the better the story comes out. How's that? That's fantastic. <laughs> and I just want to remind everybody again, this is uh, James Egbean. And uh, his book, Indentured Magic, comes out December 15th, which, as of this recording, is tomorrow. So by the time the listeners read it, it will be available on Amazon. Uh, do you have it at other places as well? Um, right now, it's just on Amazon. I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to go wider or not. Not sure. Okay. Or Amazon. Well, hey, James, we appreciate you coming on the show. We wish you well with the book. And again, that's Indentured Magic. All right, appreciate it. Thanks for having me.